This is an AMI podcast. Hi, I'm Fern Lullum, and welcome to Into You, the podcast where we put love under the microscope, shedding light on the do's, don'ts, and nightmare scenarios we find ourselves in while flirting with romance. A lot of people say arguments are healthy to have in a relationship. No. I 100% disagree. We all come at dating from a slightly different angle, but we are often faced with very similar situations to shape up to. I say really address the issue of what the core of this is, or this person might not be the right person for you. God, we have just spent, I don't know, two hours or something having an argument. We've been wasting our life. Dating can uncover things about ourselves we never knew before. So without further ado, let's get into you. This is exciting. This is a juicy topic. So if you're ready, are you ready to go? Let's do it. Let's do it indeed. Hello, hello there. And thanks for joining me either for the first time or once again on the podcast that digs deep into the pockets of your love life psychology and sees what it can pull out this time. Of course, it's into you. And today, things are getting heated. Yes, how good are you at coping with conflict in your romantic relationships? Well, whether it's a disagreement on a first date, a spat with your spouse, or a full-on showdown with your sweetheart, we are looking at arguments today with professional dating coach and TikTok sensation, Jacob Lucas. Later, Jacob tells us what is really lying at the core of our arguments. So the reason we feel anger, every single anger in the world stems from pleasure. And how you can stop your other half eating that final slice of cake you were so looking forward to. If you make your instructions clear and they disrespect it, it's their fault. If you make your instructions wishy-washy and then they disrespect it, it's your fault. But before all of that, I thought I'd start as I meant to go on, in looking for every excuse as to why an argument might start, and my first brilliant idea came down to something as simple as the weather. I feel like this is a prominent time to talk about this because obviously we've just had our heat wave haven't we here in uh, the UK so I feel like that can produce some anger in people getting some arguments (laughs) going so Jacob in your experience being a coach not that I think you've had a lot of arguments but what are some of the biggest reasons that you think people argue while dating or in a relationship oh 100% is the ego 100% people always feel like they need to be right. So let's say, for example, you have two people. One is actually right and one person is is not and they need to work on something. Basically, what people do is their ego overtake and they always want to be, I'm right, you're wrong, I'm right, you're wrong. And some people, even when they know they're wrong, will still argue the fact they're right because they like the feeling of being right. And that doesn't open up a line of communication for either side them. Everyone in the world has differences in their life. You go, oh my goodness, yep, that was wrong, I'm sorry. Um, How can I fix that, fix it? And the ego's taken away. And because of that, you never, ever really argue. Because it's like, how did I upset you? Did I hurt your feelings? How did I hurt your feelings? I will correct that next time. And it's just, once you eliminate that ego, everything becomes so much easier. 
God, Jacob, you make it sound so simple. <laughs> this you've just solved everyone's arguments in less than a minute there. But so how do you then cuz you know, it's easy to say just get rid of the ego. How do you get rid of that ego when you're you know, you want to be right, don't you? Yeah, it takes a lot of self-reflection. So, as a person, I know my own strengths and weaknesses, and I think everybody should know their own strengths and weaknesses themselves. So, I put my hands up I can sometimes be impatient. That's sometimes a weakness of mine. And if I ever feel my impatience start bubbling up, I'm like, oh, come on, this needs to be done. Not necessarily with like my partner, but it could be like with my own family or friends. I'm one of those people who wants everything done there and then, you know? And if I ever feel that bubble up, I self-reflect and think, okay, calm down, Jake, and relax and bring it back in and practice being more patient. That's why a lot more people who are a little bit older tend to argue less because younger people tend to be more impulsive on their own feelings a lot of it comes down to maturity as well it really does and like just just seeing how being impulsive can affect how your relationships function in the future and again when you're older you start to see those patterns and hopefully if you're good self-awareness you will stop that well, and you mentioned age there as a factor, as a possible thing that could play into more or less arguments. Are there other factors or are there certain types of people that might tend to argue more than others? Oh, I love this one. So, yes, there is. OK, so money. OK, people who tend to be really obsessed with money tend to argue a lot. I've always come across with clients. If somebody's obsessed with money, they, they tend to have an insecure element about their personality, okay? Let's say they have to have the flash car or the nice watch, you know, I have what you don't kind of thing. Then it comes from an insecure spot. And then when they argue with people, because they always want to be right, for example, because they're insecure. So it's definitely a knock-on effect. That is a real big factor I've come across. Again, it's this whole ego thing. If somebody's obsessed with money, it's because they like feeding their own ego and getting their own validation. Mm -hmm. So that is really synonymous with each other is money and arguments. And anyone who's in a relationship with someone who is money hungry, I guarantee they relate to this 100%. And do you think broadening that out to just insecurities in general, maybe that would make somebody more argumentative or more defensive because of their own insecurities or their own issues? Absolutely. Yes, it can do. Absolutely. So if somebody's insecure, let's say they've been cheated on in the past and they get a new partner who is loyal, who treats them nicely. However, let's say, for example, if uh, another person starts talking to them and the partner starts feeling insecure because they've been cheated on, which very um, normal thing to feel if you have been cheated on, then they might start questioning that person. Why, why are they doing this? Are you cheating on me? Are you doing this? And then that person's loyalty will be questioned and it will spark an argument because Basically, they're letting their anxiety and their insecurity override them and affect how their partner feels. And a partner, rightly so, usually will say, look, leave me alone. I've done nothing wrong. And they continue to do so. Again, about self-reflection. And if they have the anxiety in them about something like that and the insecurities, don't let that overcome you. Do practices that help with anxiety and it will ease off. And what types of behaviour do people exhibit in arguments that's just unhelpful? What are we doing that's just making it worse? Getting angry. 100% getting angry. Anger solves nothing in the world ever. So I read a lot of philosophy, actually, a lot of philosophy. And this is in Aristotle. So the reason we feel anger, every single anger in the world stems from, it really sounds weird, but you have to bear with me. It stems from pleasure. 
we get angry in order to feel pleasure at the end of what we're doing. So let's say, for example, you're angry at me. Let's say we had to be somewhere in 10 minutes. I was taking a long time. Oh. And yeah, it's the worst, right? <laughs> right. <laughs> the reason you're getting angry is because you're trying to get me to do something. You're trying to achieve pleasure for yourself at the end, mm. which is I will get there on time. And basically anger stems from achieving victory and feeling victory in whatever you're trying to do or accomplishing something is a form of pleasure. So that is why we get angry in arguments. And it's a different way of looking at it. But if you think of every time everybody got angry at you, it stems because they're trying to achieve something. And they're trying to achieve victory or, or accomplish something. You could take 10 minutes out. You could communicate better how you're feeling instead of just letting your anger override you, like screaming, swearing, and doing stuff that you don't need to because it doesn't solve anything. No world problem ever got solved by someone being angry, ever. So if I was angry, let's take that situation, got to be somewhere in 10 minutes. I'm, you know, getting a bit irate, getting a bit hit up. How can you respond to that in a way that maybe won't allow the situation to escalate then? Well, let's say, for example, I was taking a long time getting ready and you were getting angry. I would be like, I need to hurry up. <laughs> if we've arranged to be somewhere at one o'clock and I am going to be there later, I need to take that on the chin and realize this is my fault and just be apologetic and try and do everything I can to rectify what I did. I need to be more compliant to you because I did you wrong. Mm. Again, instead of me going, I'll just be quiet. I'm doing this. I'm doing that. But I'm really sorry. I'll be compliant to whatever you need to do and try and rectify the situation. It sounds really easy like that, right? Really easy. Yes. But when you're in that situation, <laughs> but it just takes practice the more you do it. You're right. When all the emotions are coming up, it's a lot harder, isn't it? And it is kind of the ego, because even when you know you're wrong, you know, I've been in situations like that where I know I'm in the wrong, but I, I don't want to admit it because to admit it then, oh God, what does that mean? What does that say uh, about me? I'll tell you, when someone says Google it then, and they're right, and you're like, <laughs> that's the worst I can read in the world, right? <laughs> I mean, that's a new age answer to arguments, isn't it? Google it then. Yeah, it's in black and white. You can't deny it. Like, yeah. Cool, I lose. So <laughs> <laughs> I love that. We could make merchandise with that. Google it then. <laughs> <laughs> so you've talked a little bit about going underneath the surface, digging a bit deeper. What usually lies at the core of our arguments underneath the more trivial surface level issues? A lot of it does stem from the foundation of education and your upbringing, I would say. Like your upbringing is a very big factor. So let's say, for example, if your parents are always arguing when you're growing up, let's say you're five years old, the age of 15, or when you move out and your parents argue nonstop, you think that's the norm and it's not the norm. But that is unfortunately the case for quite a few people. And they go into next relationships and they think, okay, there needs to be some like turbulence in the relationship for it to function. And it doesn't. A lot of people say, Arguments are healthy to have in a relationship. No, I 100% disagree. I think discussions are very healthy to have and setting boundaries are very healthy, healthy to have. But again, if you think arguments are a good foundation of a happy relationship and it helps the relationship, you're completely wrong. Completely wrong. Me and my partner, if we're at disagreement, we discuss. We never, ever argue. And again, it doesn't achieve anything. A lot of it does stem down from what your parents were like growing up and what you think is normal. People repeat what they know. In a relationship then, if you are arguing, is that 
quite a good implication that maybe you're not in the right relationship. Yeah. If you're arguing all the time, then you're not in the right relationship. Your partner should be your life partner. You should have each other's back and be supportive of each other. And I always think of it like this. Let's say you work a tough job and let's say they go home and they've been through a tough time at work that day and they start arguing with their partner. No, that's not the one. That's bad. You need to go home. Your partner should be your peace, not your storm. There's a lot of teamwork involved. And a lot of that comes down to just relaxing with each other, sitting in front of telly, having a nice conversation, watching telly, having dinner, whatever it could be, going on dates. But if part of your relationship is based upon arguing and you think, okay, we have an argument once a week, I say really address the issue of what the core of this is or this person might not be the right person for you. So would you say, would you go a step further than that and say that all arguments in relationships are bad or are they ever helpful? The thing is, people are going to argue. It's impossible not to, right, for 99.9% of people. I would say all arguments are the most evil thing in the world, but I would say they're never, ever productive, in my opinion, ever. Your partner needs to be your peace, not your storm. Discussions are needed, boundaries are needed, arguments are not. Jacob's no-nonsense approach to arguments felt like a positive challenge. It can be easy to let ourselves off the hook for how we handle certain situations because we've had a long day or the kids are playing up or our boss was particularly evil this afternoon. But does taking it out on our partner actually help in any way? It made me wonder what subjects other people find it difficult to see eye to eye on. So, as is the protocol of most scientific studies in 2022, I put out a post on social media, and here are a selection of my favourite answers. The sentence reads, The thing I argue about the most with my partner is... Finish the sentence. I've got a feeling this is going to be a good one. Jeremy. Whose turn it is to pick up the doggy doos? Love that you call them doggy doos. And Jeremy, I think this requires a schedule and possibly even stickers. You're going to have to make a chart, basically. Yvette, toilet seats. Just, that's all. Just literally toilet seats. Some problems just never go away, do they, Yvette? I feel like someone needs to come up with an automatic solution for this one by now. We're in the 21st century, guys. Come on. David, how many pairs of shoes one woman needs? I'm not saying anything. I mean, you can hear that one echoing practically around the world, can't you? Who knew shoes could be so seductive? And yet they are. They just are. And Hannah, the thing I argue most about with my partner is... Who gets to play their music in the car? Well, Hannah, I say turn off the music and crank up this podcast instead. Everyone's happy. Problem solved. You're welcome. I loved how laid back Jacob sounded. It felt as if his chill attitude alone might be enough to cool down any heated discussion and his charming ways of reframing situations may be able to melt even the most icy reception. But Jacob was about to venture into even more flammable territory as we got on to the tricky topic of how to negotiate when it comes to the three words which can make or break any relationship. Home, decor, shopping. Oh. The 
let's say, for example, some furniture, you want to buy some furniture. Furniture shopping is always a massive argument starter, isn't it? <laughs> I, oh, no, I want this one. Instead, compromise. Like, okay, if you say you don't like something, we won't get it, and vice versa. That's what me and my partner do. So what we would do is choose something we both like. It's simple. I want the black table. I want the white table. And it's there, like, why don't you get a grey table? Mm, that's true. Isn't it, you know? But what if I'm really attached to the black table, Jacob, and I just can't get it off my mind? Oh, you pay for it yourself. <laughs> <laughs> Good answer. Okay, fair enough. Um, <laughs> so... How can we get good? Because you, you were saying earlier, it's about awareness, about recognising your patterns. So how can we get good at kind of clocking when things are getting heated and being like, let's diffuse this situation. Let's not go down this path. How can we do that? Oh, that's a good question. So let's say, for example, you have a real bad anger issue. Mm. Let's say a guy's really aggressive and he doesn't mean to be, just as he comes across aggressive. Why not just blow some steam off and go to the gym? go to a boxing club, go do whatever you want to do, right? Go do some sport. Blow that steam off so I guarantee when you come home, that aggression won't be in you. I used to box myself. I know this. I know how good it is for you. Meditation is a very good one. I practice meditation myself. Very simple. Anyone can do it. 10 minutes a day is no excuse. Sounds really weird. It will ground you a lot better than what people realise it does. I think it's come more and more to light, especially like new age kind of stuff. But it really does ground you. Also, just recognising the patterns. Let's use furniture again. Every time we go to Ikea, we argue. Why are we arguing? So then we need to take the, the, the steps of why. what are we arguing about in Ikea, for example. Okay, we're arguing about the colour of stuff. Okay, so now we just need to come to the middle and meet, get a colour we both like. Or it's like, okay, a big one. The man always goes out for a drink with his friends when the mum's stuck at home with the kid. That's not fair at all. You know, she would take it in turns. So when he goes, okay, I'm going to go out Saturday night and you can babysit on Saturday night. And then Friday night, if you want to go out with your friends, then you go out. I think so many times in hindsight, you think, God, we have just spent, you know, I don't know, two hours or something, having an argument about the armchair that, yeah, is too girly for your partner or, you know, whatever it is. And you just think, what a stupid thing. We've been wasting our life. <laughs> Absolutely. There's another that I haven't tapped on, actually. Boredom creates a lot of arguments. You'd be shocked at how much it does. A lot of people broke up in lockdown. A lot of people, right? Because they're stuck inside. They don't have distractions and they're bored and they realise their partner's not right for them. And they start arguing because it's just something to do. Sounds weird, I know, but that's that is a big thing, right? If you don't go on dates, you know, once a week or have your own thing to do and you're just like attached at the hip all the time, then you're gonna argue as well because your brain needs stimulation naturally on some psychological level. You need to be stimulated. And unfortunately, people go to that arguing because they have nothing else to stimulate them because they don't do anything. That's a real common one, is boredom. I imagine also that an argument could be born out of what should we do? And it almost turns into, hey, what should we do tonight, babe? Oh, let's have an argument for the next five hours and not actually do anything. I don't think it quite starts like, let's have an argument. Yeah, let's go for it. But <laughs> it'd be so unstimulated. Again, the pandemic is complete proof of this in lockdown, 100%. They'd be watching telly and they'd be there like, okay, on a subconscious level, not stimulated. I want some passion or something for my partner or just not feel bored oh you change the channel no well f you and it just gets out of hand mm. it, and it does stem from that it really is a stupid one but it does see that happen a lot actually slippery slope it almost feels like people are picking a fight 
does it get to that level where you're that bored that you're actually kind of goading your partner? Yeah, we've all met somebody like that where I haven't we at some point in our lives. They love an argument. And if you've got a partner who's like that, you've got a very tough life. Mm. Let's say, for example, you want to leave the office five minutes early. They go, why are you doing that? You hate this company. If your partner's like that, then that's tough. I would hate that. That'd be really tough. It's more about the fact that it's an argument than what the argument's about. It doesn't matter. (laughs) Absolutely. So I have, Jacob, I have come up with a a list. I've distinguished a few different argument categories here that I think I'd love to hear your thoughts on them. So for me, right, I think there's the decision-based argument, which is like you say, what should we do? What kind of furniture should we get? That kind of thing. The opinion difference, check Google, you know, what is this? Is it right or wrong? The could you just, which is preempting a situation, could you just do this? And then it kind of escalates into a row because the other person doesn't really want to. And the, with hindsight, why didn't you? Why didn't you text me? Why didn't you pick up your shoes? Whatever it might be. So my question off the back of this is, do you think different arguments or different types of argument require different treatment? Or is it all very similar, really, when it comes down to it? Yeah, it does, actually. It's a really good question, that. Okay, I'll give an example. So my mother is a very, very, very good psychotherapist, like very good. She always says that whenever she wants someone to do something, she doesn't argue with them. She kind of makes it their idea, right? Mm-hmm. She turns, turns it so they feel like they're doing it out of their own accord mm-hmm. as opposed to she's asking them to do it. So let's say, for example, would you just, or would you just cook for one night? Because yeah. I'm doing it every night. Yeah. You could be like, oh my goodness, I love your pasta. Like, you're so good at it. Like, <laughs> and it feels like they're doing something nice for you instead of just, will you just cook some food tonight? I do it every night. Really clever ways of going about it. Yes, reframing. Reframing stuff. But yeah, so so let's say, for example, if somebody's just disrespecting you, mm. they always leave a mess. That is disrespectful. Let's say they go to your house and they eat all your food and they leave everything on the side. And oh. it's, it's the worst, isn't it, yes. right? I am a really clean person. I'm very lucky my partner is as well. Very lucky because it would do my head in. But a lot of it comes from respect. And you can't really go somewhere to be more respectful you need to have a very firm conversation about that. You come into my house, don't bring mud into my house. If they do, they're breaking that boundary. And then you need to start thinking, okay, is this person disrespecting me or are they just a little bit stupid? <laughs> Always a good question to ask. But you bring up a, a good point there about you and your partner are both clean. Does it help if you have very similar values because then you don't argue as much just naturally? Yeah, oh, Absolutely. I could not be with someone who's messy. It would drive me crazy. I, I'm a very clean person. Stuff like different morals on some stuff, it's okay, but as long as you're not disrespectful to the other person. So I always consider myself a spiritual person, like Christian spiritual. Let's say, for example, if I go with someone with different background from me, let's say a Buddhist, they might have a little bit of different morals, but as long as they're respectful to my religion, for example, mm. I'm respectful to theirs. That's all it takes. But if the morals come down to stuff like cheating, for example, or texting other women or texting other guys, mm. then that's a moral I wouldn't tolerate. If somebody's a little bit wavering loyalty and one person's really loyal, then it does not work. It never works. Mm. It's stuff like that. It's, it's stuff like money's a big one as well, like the money. Some people like are very good with money. Some people don't care. That doesn't really add up very well in a relationship. Not a good starting point. 
absolutely not. So I would say morals do play a huge factor, yes. I was just thinking about the food thing because you, you mentioned eating all the food <laughs> situation. <laughs> I've got to say, Jacob, that is one in our household, especially when you've got something you were really looking forward to, right? And you, you've left it in the fridge and you come home after a long, hard day and you're thinking, I'm going to eat that tonight. Can't wait. You go to the fridge. Is it there? It's not there, Jacob. What, what do I do in that situation? Help me. I'd be very firm because I'll tell you what, I wouldn't <laughs> let that fly. I'll tell you what, if I come home one day after a tough day and I had a big bit of cake I was really looking forward to... <laughs> But okay, so I actually, um, I love this. It's from Sun Tzu Art of War, okay? So a bit of a different genre, but it does, it does correlate. <laughs> if you make your instructions clear, very clear, and they disrespect it, it's their fault. If you make your instructions wishy-washy, and then they disrespect it, it's your fault, okay? Mm. Let's say, for example, we have some cake in the fridge, and you said to him, oh, there's some cake in the fridge. You didn't tell him it's yours, you know? Mm. So if he ate, that's kind of a you thought as well, because you didn't tell him, you didn't know. I mean, I signposted it, if anything. I told him it was there. <laughs> it's not a dumpable offence, is it, being someone's like, hey, but in a psychological level, reward and punishment here, okay? Right. Okay. Let's say he loves your pasta dish, right? You, but you eat my cake, gang, I will never, ever cook you pasta. Simple, Ooh. right? Actually, there's a consequence to this. I'm guessing there's no consequence to him at the minute, right? Mm, no, not really. Uh, Apart from my wrath. <laughs> yeah. So if he, if he takes your cake, give him one chance, but don't do that again. He goes, okay. Does it again? But I'm not cooking any pasta. He played yourself. Unlucky. Mm. And then that way, when something else comes up in the future, let's say you leave a sandwich you wanted later or something, mm. he'd think twice about taking it. Really simple. And it does work as well. Uh-huh. Very interesting. <laughs> I mean, that's a big threat, isn't it? Taking away the pasta. My girlfriend, is, um, she's Italian, so she makes the best pasta. If she said to me, I'm not making you pasta, I'd probably cry. Well, Jacob has certainly started to untangle the angry spaghetti-like ball of emotions, which can often lead to a fight, with his practical strategies and encouragement to explore ourselves and where we may be contributing to the situation, preferably while we're in a calm mindset. As always, I want to hear from you. Which type of argument do you struggle with most in romantic relationships? And what helps you calm down and listen to your partner when verbal battle starts to commence? Leave me a comment and let me know. Next time, Jacob shares some of the silly little things behind the big blowouts with your other half. A lot of arguments stem from miscommunication as well, because the other person won't shut up. (laughs) And outlines the mistakes we can make in the aftermath of an argument. Meet their disinterest with interest. The worst thing you can do in the world, because what you're doing is you're rewarding that person for giving you the silent treatment. For now, though, you've been listening to Into You with me, Fern Lullum. Special thanks to my guest, Jacob Lucas, whose links will, of course, be in the show notes. Also to Joshua Holland for technical support and to the manager of AMI, Andy Frank. Leave me your feedback at feedback at ami.ca. And if you liked what you heard, please do make sure to search for Into You on your favourite or indeed any podcast distributing platform and subscribe for more episodes coming your way on the first Thursday of every month. I guess all that's left to say in the words of Jacob himself is, I love you. Let's go to bed.